Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Romans, picking up that study in Romans chapter 2, verse 17. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will, and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourselves? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. As we read the book of Acts and the writings of Paul in the New Testament, we learn that Paul was plagued by teachers who were Jewish, who would come in behind him and teach new Christians that it wasn't enough to just believe in Jesus, they must also become Jews. And Paul fought this battle on many fronts for many years. And while he has not yet made it to Rome, it seems these Jewish teachers have. For these Jewish teachers, having the law and being circumcised seemed to be everything. It was what separated them from everyone else. And they felt that this separation gave them some privilege or better standing before God. But in this opening paragraph, we see Paul saying that these people who are pushing others to keep the law don't keep the law themselves. And that having the law is not that special if you keep breaking the law and thereby dishonor God. Because they had dishonored God, They had broken the very covenant with Abraham that they were trying to convince Gentiles they needed to keep. Let's pick up the reading in Romans chapter 2, verse 25. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God." In this paragraph, Paul continues to rebuke these teachers who are guilty of breaking the very law that they are pushing on others. Because they had been circumcised, they thought they had fulfilled their commitment to the law. But Paul lets them know that that's not the case at all, that circumcision itself is a physical mark that anyone can put on themselves. 
Paul says that a proper response to God is special because that will make a mark on our hearts. The circumcision that Jews and Gentiles were supposed to experience was something that happened within themselves. There was a significance to the outward mark, but what God was looking for was something inside. It's these people who have that circumcised heart that are truly the covenant people of God, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Jesus says something similar during his ministry, saying, not everyone that is a physical descendant of Abraham is a child of Abraham. It is the ones who have faith like him. So this may lead us to wonder, is Paul teaching that there is nothing special about being a Jew? Well, the answer is not at all. Let's pick up the reading in Romans chapter 3, verse 1. Then what advantage has a Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means. For then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory. Why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. Paul says that it is very special to be a Jew. Jews had been entrusted with the oracles of God. Those oracles talked about a time when God's covenant with Abraham would be fulfilled. And Christians of the first century were absolutely convinced that that covenant was being fulfilled in and through and by Jesus Christ. However, some of these Jewish people did not realize that those scriptures were pointing to God fulfilling this covenant with people who were both Jew and Gentile. But Paul says their lack of understanding did not nullify God's word. Paul says here that People had made slanderous charges against him. Evidently, people were saying that Paul was teaching God was no longer going to keep his promise to Abraham because it wasn't necessary, that God's grace would be showered on everyone, and the more they sinned, the more grace they would receive, and that's how you stayed in a covenant relationship with God. Paul says that's absolutely, completely false. So then, does this mean that the Jews have some privileged or better standing before God? No, they don't. Uh, Let's pick up the reading again in Romans chapter 3, verse 9. What then? Are Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their 
feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Here Paul says, when it comes to standing before God, referencing that judgment that we talked about in the last episode, that everyone is guilty of sin. It doesn't matter if you had a special calling, as the Jews did, that brought people to Jesus, or if you're just now coming to understand what God is doing through Jesus, every person is guilty of sin. And that doesn't give us special permission to sin. Just because we have a knowledge of God and God's will doesn't mean that it's okay for us to sin while others are condemned by their sin. The law that the Jews had gave them an advanced warning that they were sinners and that a remedy was needed. The law showed them that they needed to stand in quiet, humble submission before God if they were to have any hope because they had made a mess of things on their own. So the law was unable to put anyone in right standing before God. All that it could do is show how much they had sinned. So in these sections of Scripture that we've read in this episode, there's been a lot of talk about Jews and their standing before God. And as we read it, we may wonder, what does this have to do with me? Well, I think there are several lessons here that are important for us to learn. One is that telling others what they should be doing does not remove our responsibility for doing them. If we know what's right and we're able to tell others the way they ought to behave, the way they ought to act, the way they ought to think, then we have a responsibility to do that ourselves. We don't have special permission to sin just because we know the right answers. Another is that being a part of God's covenant people means that I let his word do surgery on my heart. The Jewish teachers of Paul's time were teaching that a surgical procedure needed to be done on the men of the community if they wanted to be real Christians. Paul says, no, that surgery is a spiritual one, one that's done on the heart. Another lesson is that having access to God's revelation may give us advance warning of our sin, but it does not make us any better than any other group of people before God. We still have an accounting to give. We still have responsibilities that God has given to his children. There is a faithfulness that we've been called to. And if we reject that, we should not expect more mercy than others. I think another thing that we can learn from what Paul's teaching here is that our proclamations, no matter how adamant, do not change reality. These Jewish teachers were very adamant about teaching Gentiles that they must become Jews if they wanted to please God. They believed it with all of their heart, but it did not change the reality of what God was doing through Jesus. And finally, Just because God's plan doesn't match our ideas doesn't mean that God has let us down. These Jewish teachers that Paul was addressing were eagerly anticipating this 
fulfillment of a covenant that had been made with Abraham. But they were seeking it on their terms. And when God actually fulfilled his promise through Jesus, they ended up missing out on it. They felt like God had not done it yet, but he had. We need to realize that very often in our lives, when things aren't going the way that we want them to go, it's not because God has let us down or forsaken us. It may be because he's done exactly what he promised to do. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.